Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Yeah.
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers must have took this personal. They have Kenneth Walker locked up. He has seven catches for eight yards. I, I can't even believe they're doing this good of a job on the run side, um, let alone the pass defense is doing well enough to like contain what Geno's been able to do all season long and be able to complete passes to uh, Metcalf and Lockett. But there's still a whole half to be played. I still feel like this is manageable for the Seahawks to get back in this thing. But right now, Tampa is actually have they have a good uh, trail of the momentum. Um, before I do get away from it, James, give me your thoughts on the game from what you've seen so far. So far, I mean, you're, you're hitting it right on the head. The um, the Buccaneers have been able to move the ball pretty consistently. Uh, Leonard, they have no answer for Leonard Fournette on the um, defensive side of the ball. And right now they're starting to get a little bit of a jog on this first possession, but um, it, it's not looking particularly good for the Seahawks. But like you said, there's plenty of time, and they are starting to move on the first possession of this quarter. Right. Like like I said, it wasn't going to be like too long. You know, they need that motivational speech coming out of that locker room to wake them up. You know, this is their cup of coffee, if you will. Like, yo, we're getting shut out right now. So they're actually uh, on the other side of the field. So we will see how this actually progresses for Seattle unless Tampa's defense buckles down while they're crossing midfield and they're at the 35 right now. So this is interesting because the first couple of plays have been big chunk plays for Seattle at this point. Okay, so I'm going to do the quick stuff, and then I'm going to get into the NFL as, as best as I can, James. Um, <clears throat> we we have an upset. That's right. Uh, I don't know if people tune into the UFC, but I know I do. Um, Israel Adesanya loses his belt in the middleweight division to a familiar foe and Alex Pereira. And it's interesting that this is the week of Black Panther. Uh, the release of the movie and watching, you know, things happen to people that, you know, get hyped, things of that, you know, things of that nature. And Israel did good in the first four rounds. He won the first round. Alex Pereira won the second round. The third and the fourth, Israel won. And the fifth round is basically just stay up there, make it an interesting fight for the fifth round, and you could go home with your belt. Unfortunately, that is not what happened. Uh Barrage of punches, and everybody was saying at this point, Pereira looked gassed. He looked tired. He he really looked like the winded one, and um, he caught Israel with a, a crazy uh, right that led to a left uppercut and had him up against the fence, and he was weary. And then you know once they see you like out on your feet, it's just a barrage of punches to to make this an even more of an interesting you know, knockout situation. And Israel was out of it. Like we we never like when he lost the uh, block Blockovich. It was by decision. We haven't really seen this, but this is the familiar foe because Pereira has knocked them out before when they were amateurs, before they became professionals. Pereira has only fought, this is his eighth fight, but uh, five fights within the UFC. He's 7-1-0, and and he has a belt. But the one thing about Pereira at this point in time, he's 35, so hopefully he could, you know, get as many fights as he can to, like, you know, retain the belt, defend it, and get on a title run as he can. But I literally thought Israel would be okay. And, and once that fifth round came around and he, he caught him with that shot that had him kind of wary, it was more or less like I, I was saying before that, that uppercut came, I was like, Israel's done. I knew he was done before that knockout blow happened. And he got caught. And when he tried to, like, swim his head and he wasn't even looking up and the referee came to break it up, he's looking at him like, come on, man. But he, you, he was done. If he would have got caught anymore, the ref probably could have got in trouble because of the damage you were in. And this was everything. Like, I think the right people in 
Alex Pereira's corner told him the right thing. You got one round to become a champion, and he gave it everything while Israel knew he had everything in the back because he was up by at least points to just stay on his feet and not try to fight the bigger man because uh, naturally Pereira's walking around at 215. He had to lose a ton of weight to be ready for the fight. And um, when you seen him in the octagon, he was clearly way bigger than Israel. But Israel was doing what he could to, like, take care of the fight. But nevertheless, it's over. Alex is now the new champ of the middleweight division. Um, yeah, of course, there was another fight that was big um, with Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. Uh, Michael Chandler actually made it an impact fight early, um, bringing the fight to um, – Dustin, and next thing you know, Dustin ended up catching him with some shots and, and ended up leading to a, a, a chokehold, a, a rear-necked, you know, back chokehold and ended up making him tap out. And the fight ended up going the way that, uh, how do I more or less say it, the, the Dustin's way. And Dustin actually came up with a statement at the end of the fight saying the uh, he was yelling at the ref that he was being pulled up by his, his teeth as Michael Chandler tried to sneak a chokehold in. And when they did the replay, he really was pulling him up by his teeth to try to put his arm underneath his chin so he could choke him out. Incredible stuff because Dustin wasn't lying. At, at first, the review that they had, it didn't show it. And then um, you seen the second one, and it was like clearly he was pulling him by his teeth to just try to try to get it. And Dustin was humble and, and professional in winning, and you could tell it, it's the agony of defeat when some people go through these scenarios while they lose. Um, but this was a very exciting night, UFC. UFC, I'm not going to lie, you did not disappoint last night. I was grateful for everything, including um, Zhang's fight to Esperanza. Uh, it's tough in mixed martial arts, especially for Esperanza, because she's a wrestler. If you're a wrestler and you can't strike or, or know how to bring the fight to somebody, it's going to be tough. And uh, she couldn't punch or get the kicks off that she wanted because Zhang easily was the better striker. And... Um, it clearly showed, and she ended up getting what she wanted and ended up choking her out, too, in this fight. Great, great deal of fights in the uh, the UFC, to say the least. Um, I, I know that James doesn't follow it. Oh, I do have Mike in the building. Uh, Mike, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Hey, man, I'm doing good. You read up Miley talking UFC to start this thing, but uh, doing well, man. Thanks for having me. What's going on? Okay, so your thoughts on the fights from last night before we get away from the UFC? So Adesanya, man, had everything in front of him, like you said, had four of those rounds. But it's it's a testament to, like, you can't play around. Uh, you know, a guy in the barbershop said it last night, you can't play with your food, right? Like, um, you got to try to get him off of you if he's in there. Uh, listen, if they rematch, I would put money on uh, – I would still put money on Adesanya, I believe. Uh, but – Anything can happen, and that's what I mean. You know, you one shot away, and that's what makes like those those long winning streaks that we saw from like GSP and and Anderson Silva for so long. That's what makes them even more impressive because if you really look at it, like two of the guys that people thought were like you know the most dominant champions right now just went down in their last two fights, and Usman, and then now Adesanya. So. Uh, Listen, the the fight game ain't nothing, you know, it's not, nothing to play around with. Anything can happen at any moment. And once again, we saw it last night. Um, as far as Chandler and Poirier, that was a brutal fight. Like, if you don't see any other fight from, like, uh, watch that one, a fight pass or whatever when it comes out. Uh, that was that was a brutal fight. And then 
Poirier, though, getting that win, you know, he's been, you know, kind of knocking on that door for a while, uh, been right there against Oliveira after he lost that fight. We said, well, he's going to have to probably win a couple of fights to get uh, to get back up to that to that spot, so uh, or to get back up to where he can challenge for a title again. So he took care of business against Michael Chandler, who's a talented fighter uh, in his own right. Um, and then, you know, t- to your point, uh, as a wrestler, yes, you still have to be able to strike and all that, uh, and you have to be able to uh, diversify your game. So if all you have is wrestling alone, you're in a lot of trouble. But it, a lot of uh, MMA people, a lot of uh, coaches, and a lot of people that have been in the sport for a long time will tell you that wrestling is a great base like to build off of uh, simply because – even at a young age, you start looking at angles and that kind of stuff and, you know, how to move and fake and all that. Um, so wrestling is a great, like, uh, foundation to build your mixed martial arts skill set off of. But once again, it's just a base. And if all you have is a foundation for a house, then you're going to get cold in the wintertime, you know. So you got to continue to build off of it. But wrestling's a very solid, like, uh, base to build from and then and then go from there. Uh, uh, and unfortunately, uh, Esperanza hasn't uh, rounded out her game enough, right, to to really be that fighter. And the worst part about it is, is that she held the belt, so it's like you know you're the hunted at this point because everybody's gonna want what you have. And, and clearly, she looked outmatched. I, I don't even look. I don't think to me the way that that fight went, she did not look like the champ at all. Um, and not even to say that she was gassed because it ended early. It was like her style of fighting. She couldn't get what she wanted. And they had a similar reach situation. And actually, Esraza, her reach was an inch longer. So it, was, it wasn't like she was befuddled. It was just that Zang was more, you know, focused and busier than she was. And then once she got it to the ground, it actually worked for her that she actually out-wrestled the wrestler and uh, put the chokehold on her, and that was it. Got her to tap out. And um, unfortunately, she... Um, I think her record now is 20 and 7. And they were like, well, you were, well, you know, Joe Rogan was talking to her like, well, we're going to wait to see you back out here and rebuild yourself. But it's like she's going to have to do a lot of work to get back there to fight somebody that's only ready for, like, Rose in that octagon. So we will see how that does end up panning out uh, moving forward. But I, I doubt that Carla is ready to uh, make a push at the, you know, the, the names that she just lost to, let alone the other ones that are waiting to be champions themselves. Okay. Yeah, she got so, uh, some time. My bad. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. Finish. Finish. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say she got to spend some time uh, with a boxing coach or something to work with on throwing them hands uh, and maybe do some. Uh, she's got the grappling part, but she got, she gonna have to uh, spend some time uh, working on her striking uh, at, for her to be able to to progress in her career and be able to you know try to get back to that mountaintop. Like I said, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, and knowing that her her wheelhouse is wrestling is going to be hard for her to, you know, be. I don't want to say amateur, but not at, at that that tier where these other people are ready to strike and do other things too. It, it's hard to bring more of what you have in the bag already, let alone stuff that you're just now working on when they're going to be used to what you're trying to bring to the game. So we will see if if Esperanza could make it happen. Unfortunately, she did fall short. Zang is now the new strawweight champion in women's UFC. Okay, 
So it was a very interesting Saturday, college football. I will do my best to get in and out of a lot of these situations that college football presented to us throughout the week. Um, first things first, on Friday, the USC Trojans took care of business up against Colorado. Colorado is now 1-9 and nine on the season. I feel bad because this isn't the same Colorado I remember with Rashawn Salam and Cordell Stewart and Westbrook out there at receiver. These guys look terrible. Nevertheless, USC took care of business in Los Angeles 55-17, to in which they lost a player for the year in running back Travis Dye's leg uh, got injured, and they said it's a season-ending situation. Uh, moving into Saturday, the top 25 is as follows. Georgia goes into Mississippi State and wins this game 45-19. to It was interesting early. After halftime, Georgia started cruising, put up 28 points compared to Mississippi 7 after the half. Ohio State takes care of business in Columbus, remaining undefeated as well. 56-14 to 14 up against the Hoosiers of Indiana. Uh, Michigan wins their matchup up against Nebraska. In Ann Arbor, 34-3 in a blowout, basically close to a shutout. But uh, nevertheless, Nebraska got a field goal up in the second quarter. That was it. I feel very bad for Nebraska because I don't think Nebraska would get anywhere like they were in the 90s. A lot of these kids are going to other schools, and they're not going to the middle of America. Nebraska's in a tough scenario, especially being in these loaded conferences, whether it's the Big 12 or the Big 10, they're going to have to swim in, in deep waters. Um, moving right along to me, one of the games of the night, TCU survives in Austin, Texas, up against the Longhorns, 17-10, to 10, in which this basically all took place in the second half. TCU scored a field goal before the half, started 3 nothing, um, and they basically scored a touchdown each quarter in the third and the fourth. Meanwhile, Texas got this interesting. They scored a field goal, being down 10-3, to entering the fourth. They scored another touchdown uh, in the fourth, but just couldn't get over that hill. TCU remains unbeaten in the Big 12, and I, I will get into a lot of this after I finish the scores. Tennessee, uh, Clobbers, Missouri, 66-24 in Knoxville. Washington with the upset of the day to me, even though I feel like this is just a clean win. Washington beats Oregon 37-34. I think Oregon was overrated at this point in time, even though they have been doing good up until this point. But this is their first loss in Pac-12 play, and Washington brought it to Eugene, Oregon, winning this one late with a field goal. Uh, LSU wins their matchup up against Arkansas, claiming their side of the SEC to be in the title game 13-10. Big defensive battle, and LSU came up big, being ranked seventh. I think they will move up, especially with the loss to Oregon. Alabama survived Ole Miss's uh, situation, especially with Kiffin trying to come around. Well, they come into Kiffin's home because this took place in Mississippi, 30-24. to 24. The next matchup I have is Clemson going up against Louisville, winning that matchup 31-16. to 16. Uh, Louisville tried to keep this interesting, but nevertheless, Clemson kept that space to win, and they are 9-1 and one on the season being the Clemson Tigers. Uh, moving right along, the late games that took place on the West Coast, Arizona comes up with a big win up against the 12th-ranked UCLA Bruins, 34-28 to 28, 28 in the Westwood area. UCLA probably will fall. This is their second loss in Pac-12 play. Utah wins by blowout up against Stanford, 42-7, and seven, in which this season Stanford is now 3-7 and seven on the season. Utah is 8-2 out of the Pac-12. They are 6-1 and one in Pac-12 play. Uh, Penn State with the lone shutout of the day, shutting out Maryland 30 to nothing. This took place in Pennsylvania. Uh, Maryland, uh, as much as I want to see Tua's little brother come off, this, this is a bad stamp on his resume. 
coming up with a shutout right here. Penn State's defense and offense responded well, um, keeping keeping his closed for Maryland, and no statistical category looked good uh, with the, the players out of Maryland at all. This is basically a flooded situation for Penn State. Um, the the quarterback only threw for 139 yards with one touchdown. Uh, Singleton had 122 yards running uh, with 11 carries and two touchdowns as well. North Carolina hangs on in one of the best back-and-forth games that I've seen in a while. North Carolina wins this matchup up against Wake Forest, 36-34, to in which nobody wanted to lose. Of course, nobody really wants to lose, but Wake Forest wouldn't give up. They scored, and then next thing you know, with it being 33-34, to uh, North Carolina comes up with a field goal to win this game late. Uh, May being the quarterback, 448 yards uh, passing, three touchdowns thrown as well. And also uh, Downs being a receiver had 11 receptions for 154 yards, and those three touchdowns that May threw were to him as well. Boston College with one of the big upsets of the day as well. Knockoff North Carolina State in Raleigh, 21-20, to winning by one point, uh, winning that by touchdown in the last couple of seconds. If you did not see this, Boston College earned their third win of the season, stunning North Carolina State at this point in time, which was 7-2, and two, being 16th rank. They will fall, and especially losing to a foe like this, I wonder if the committee knocked them out of the top 25. They've done it to other teams, especially with them losing at home to a team that's well under 500. UCF wins their matchup up against Tulane, 38-31. to 31. Uh, Very interesting that UCF did not let up the lead. Uh, putting up score after score as much as they could, especially after an explosive first quarter, putting up 17 points and did not stop that flow at all, uh, winning this by one touchdown. Kansas State, an impressive win up against Baylor, winning this one 31-3. Baylor will be playing TCU soon. I wonder if they could turn this thing around to make it interesting uh, moving forward because uh, I, I really feel like TCU I, – I, I like history. You know, and I like to see people try to run a table and get to the championship and do what they can. But Baylor can play spoiler because they do have that type of offense that can score. But Kansas State shutting that offense down in the middle of Waco, Texas, and holding them to three points, it, it speaks volumes on the way that the direction that the Baylor Bears are going. But nevertheless, I don't want to take anything away from Kansas State. They're 19th ranked in the nation, winning this by 28 to four touchdowns. Notre Dame wins their matchup up against Navy, 35-32, to in a very interesting one where Navy scored 16 points in the fourth quarter, but it was too little too late, or a lot too late, shall I say, uh, for Notre Dame to keep on cruising their 20th ranks. I think they'll move up as well. And Pine, being the Connecticut kid, the quarterback for them, threw four touchdowns uh, in the game as well, having 269-yard throwing as well. Um Illinois upset by Purdue. Purdue wins this match of 31 to 24 in Champaign. Uh, Illinois is now 21 ranked. I think they'll probably fall out. Florida State 38 to three in Syracuse. Syracuse got off to a hot start this season, winning six straight. They are now on a four-game losing streak. Especially the way that they lost to Florida State. They only scored three points at home, and they were one of the teams that you had to worry about. Syracuse at least they're bowl eligible. Hopefully they can clean this up in their last two games. And to round out the top 25, Vanderbilt wins their matchup up against Kentucky in a stunner to me because this is the first win Vanderbilt has in the SEC, winning 24-21 to in Lexington, winning this by three. Uh, Kentucky tried to come back into this game, scoring 12 points in the fourth. And, again, this is too little, too late situation uh, with their quarterback from Vanderbilt throwing 184 yards passing with one touchdown thrown. Uh, Kentucky's running back Rodriguez had 162 yards rushing with two touchdowns as well. 
But nevertheless, this was an interesting game to be SEC battle. But I'm upset with Stoops in Kentucky for them to have that back and forth that he had with Calipari saying this ain't just a basketball school, this is a football school. And to lose to Vanderbilt while a lot of teams in that conference don't even look at Vanderbilt being a threat. And everybody's been taking care of Vanderbilt. And they beat Kentucky in Kentucky is is large, is huge to me. Um, Mike, I'll come to you on this. Your thoughts on the games and the scores that went down on Saturday before we move away from college football. Okay, so real quick, I agree with you on this Vanderbilt thing. Uh, you know, they, they've they been fairly competitive, but this is a team that, I don't know, I think they had like 23 straight conference losses or something. Uh, this is a black eye on the program of Mark Stoops and, and Kentucky. They might need to file some domestic violence charges. I'm not sure what's going on there, but it is not uh, pretty in Kentucky this year. Uh, all this back and forth with Calipari, uh, Calipari, and then now you lose to not only uh, South Carolina, but now Vanderbilt. Um, and there was talk about this quarterback from Kentucky – uh, Will Levis being one of the top three quarterbacks in the country, um, I don't really see it. Um, I'm just uh, I'm not impressed. Uh, looking around, like Florida State, looks like they have uh, they've kind of turned a corner uh, in in year what is this two or three under Mike Norville. So uh, I think uh, you know a couple of decisive wins for them. You know, they took it on the chin a couple times early in the season. North Carolina State, uh, this is a classic case of a backup quarterback. Uh, you know, they lost their quarterback a couple weeks ago. And so they're, you know, it, it's tough. And so, you know, you lose a game you probably shouldn't have, shouldn't have lost. And uh, I, I think not having your leader kind of uh, might have been a piece of that. Not taking anything away from Boston College, though, good win for them. You're right as far as uh, – Penn State with a decisive win there. You know, listen, Ohio State needed to bounce back and have a big game after they sort of struggled a week ago. So I think they're firmly entrenched right now at number two. And, you know, once they meet Michigan in a couple weeks, uh, that's going to tell a lot. Um, A couple other games that I just wanted to point to, like, yo, Notre Dame was up 35-13 in that game. They were supposed to sleep ball through. uh, Didn't play great defense down the stretch. Uh, big win for Washington, as you said. I think the Arizona upset over UCLA is a bigger upset to me than than Washington beating Oregon, though they were both uh, upsets to be sure in that Pac-12. LSU, this is a game I was very worried about going into Arkansas. It's cold. Uh, and also you worry about a letdown game after after the big game you played last week. Uh, but it's like I've been saying all year. I was hoping for nine wins this year for LSU. I thought maybe eight and four was uh, was possible as Brian Kelly is trying to rebuild this thing. Uh, regardless of what happens the rest of the year, really, I think LSU is playing with house money. Uh, they're eight and two. That rebuild is a little bit ahead of schedule. So uh, nobody, uh, nobody expected LSU to be the team that was going to represent the West um, in the SEC title game. Georgia did what they had to do. And in Tennessee, it's crazy because if you go back and look at Josh Heupel and his last few stops, uh, even in Central Florida, after a loss, they find a way to put up as much as 60 points the next week. And they did, again, really uh, pour it on 
um, against Missouri. Tennessee's going to be an interesting team to watch, especially if TCU were to happen to go down. Because if Tennessee can finish eleven and one, they could back into that uh, to that playoff berth as a number four seed. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that comes together. But lots of good action in college football. We got one more weekend where some people are playing out of conference opponents and that kind of thing. A few conference games, and then of course, in two weeks from now is our big rivalry weekend where everybody tends to play their either in-state or national rivals. So. Uh, it's crazy to think about TP, but we are definitely in the home stretch, right? For uh, college football, it seems like uh, we were just going over the uh, beginning of the season uh, not long ago, and now we are in the home stretch. We are two weeks left in the regular season, and then we got our conference championship games and our uh, playoff slash bowl selection coming up after that. So uh, all that is right around the corner. And that's why we got to enjoy it while we got it, because you look up at the end of the day, uh, and, and now it's finally uh, almost over. But, listen, another full slate of college football on Saturday, and it did not disappoint. We had some upsets and some uh, had some good games happening, and so looking forward to see, you know, how things continue to unfold. I call it the Burr Month, and there's a song that says it's the most wonderful time of the year. And um, the crazy part about this is, is what teams hold on and survive and who doesn't let their zero go at this point in time. But nevertheless, especially in this college atmosphere, um, the teams that lose games that they try to overlook or try to count that win before it happens. It, it's almost any given Sunday, but it's a Saturday situation is any given Saturday. Nevertheless, um, I, I, I understand where you're coming from with the Arizona UCLA situation because Arizona's record, uh, with them being four and six, comparison to Washington being eight and two, that's the only way I can see it. But to me, I feel like Washington—that's an upset for them to be able to go into Oregon and win that game. And Oregon has a player that they're trying to say Bo Nix is the clear-cut guy for the Heisman, which I can't even really put my finger on who is the Heisman at this point in time. Like, who would it be? Would it be Stroud? Would it be uh, Duggan? I, I, I mean just trying to put names around out there. So with Bo Nix being one of the guys that the, the public are throwing out there saying that he's the guy, and for Washington to go up there and stun him is interesting in itself. So we will see how this does end up panning out. Nevertheless, this this is the Burmuff, like said before. Okay, so we will get into week 10, unless there's anything else that we want to talk about. The score in Munich, the Buccaneers are up 14-3. to uh, with 2.36 left in the third quarter. Um, this is a stunning situation because I thought Seattle would be able to give them a, a run for their money. And Seattle's doing everything to make this an interesting game, but somehow, way, Tampa Bay is hanging on to this lead. Um, Mike, your thoughts from what you heard about this game uh, with Seattle and Tampa Bay going at it in Germany? It's interesting because Seattle's really having some trouble with the – NFC South. They lost to New Orleans. Uh, they are struggling with Tampa today. Uh, I've seen, I think Seattle has still definitely outperformed anybody's expectations for them. How can you not be impressed with what we've gotten from uh, Geno Smith? And maybe they can put together something uh, in the second half of this thing, but uh, maybe, you know, uh, Tampa defensively is giving them a little fit, and, and we'll see what happens. But 
you know, as the season continues to, uh, you know, unfold, it, it's, it just shouldn't be shocking to anybody if Tom Brady finds ways to win, game, win games down the stretch of the season. The one thing about it is, is as much as I've tried to question Brady in his career, I had to come to around, I want to say 2012, 13, where my, my former co-host was here. He's here now. I was like, Brady will not win another Super Bowl after they lost to the Giants for the second time. He ends up winning four more. And I was like, how does he keep doing it? Like, like I can't. After after they won that, that fourth Super Bowl, I was like, I don't know how I could go against him. I got to, like, try to give him his respect, even when I don't feel like the odds are in his favor, I still got to be like, well, that's still Brady. And uh, <clears throat> with him going over to Germany to try to win this game, it's probably another, you know, milestone for him to him to go to Germany and win over there. And knowing that I don't even know if he played in uh, Wembley yet during uh, all of the new games that have popped off in the past couple of years. But at least he's gone overseas and actually gave them a game that they can see. It's 14-3 to at this point in time. So we will see how the, the rest of the third quarter pans out going into the fourth. But nevertheless, it's Brady as usual, and the uh, one thing about this is Tampa Bay's defense is doing a good job up against Seattle's defense and also forcing Geno to fumble while, you know, trying to scramble out of the pocket to make a play happen. Uh, James, anything that you'd like to say before we get away from this uh, Buccaneers-Seattle Seahawks game? Um, it, it's just going back to the the thing I've had said in a few on uh, the last couple of times I was on the, um, the NFL free-for-all show on Tuesday is that um, it, it's really hard to still believe in the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, yes, they are six and three, which is a very, which is more, they, they got more wins in the first half of the season than I thought they were, than I thought at the beginning of the year that they would have all year long. Um, so they, the coaching staff definitely gets credit for um, building around um, their new quarterback, Geno Smith. But at the end of the day, I don't think this team is talented enough to go deep into the playoffs or even win a single playoff game. So until until that point happens, I'm I'm very skeptical about the Seattle Seahawks team. Okay, and me too. But the one thing about Seattle that I do respect, I do respect Kenneth Walker, but he's not been able to turn it on like he has through the duration of the season and games where he has excelled. Um, but there's something about Tampa Bay. They were ready for his, his running style and um, the way that they've been able to close out on Geno, especially the way that they forced this fumble, was incredible in itself. So Tampa's doing their job defensively. I, I have to tip my hat to that. Okay, so we will get into the display of Week 10 games uh, that we have. And boy, oh boy, the first game that we have is a doozy. So I hope the two of you are ready. The first game we have are the Minnesota Vikings at 7-1. and one, Take their talents to Buffalo, New York, a.k.a. West New York, up against the Buffalo Bills in which the Bills are favored by six and a half. Josh Allen is playing. He did not practice all week long. I've never seen this, especially with an injury that he has that they have to watch closely. Buffalo is playing with fire. I am hoping the Vikings don't get home and sack him because if they do, everybody's going to watch how he gets up. And knowing that he does like to run with the ball as a runner, not just scrambling if they don't see a pass play, this is going to be something very interesting to see how the Bills proceed moving forward in this game. I'll come to you first on this one, James. Your thoughts, the Minnesota Vikings or the Bills, this takes place in Buffalo. The spread is six and a half. Obviously, the Buffalo Bills have Taiwan Jones, so 
they are totally going to win off the, off the back go. of Taiwan Jones. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Um, but, no, seriously, uh, it, it's hard to tell what the injury is going to – how the injury is going to impact um, Josh Allen and where Josh Allen goes, so does the Buffalo Bills. Injuries are not that big of a concern for the Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Tomlinson is out for this game, but um, – Overall, they do have depth at the defensive tackle position. So I almost want to say that the Vikings I, – I, I think I'm going to pick the Vikings. And, I mean, if Josh Allen comes out with that right elbow injury and just, like, plays ball, then that is what it is. But um, I think I'm going to take the Vikings. Very interesting. Okay, Mike, your thoughts on this game? Minnesota or Buffalo? This is taking place in New York uh, with the injury looming around Josh Allen as well. Do you agree or disagree with him? You know, interestingly enough, I kind of agree with him. I think if Josh Allen's healthy and plays a good game, then then I'm going to totally be wrong. Uh, but, listen, this guy, is, I feel like he's going to be very limited in what he can do, uh, at least uh, throwing the ball. Uh, and I think Minnesota has their full complement of weapons. I I feel comfortable taking Minnesota to cover, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and take Minnesota to win this game. I think they find a way to get it done in Buffalo. And like I said, if Josh Allen has a vintage performance, then I'll be wrong, and I'm just going to have to go ahead and grab some hot sauce and, uh, you know, put it on these words and try to eat them. Uh, but as of right now, I'm, I'm going to go with the Vikings. This is the tough scenario because I didn't think that we would have a clean slate. I thought that I would be going against the grain, but there's somebody that's near and dear to my heart that gave me life, and that's my mom. And my mom is a diehard Minnesota Viking fan and has been talking crap because these dudes are on the roll right now. So it's like I got to go with my mother, man. I got to. But this is interesting because this is the Stephon Diggs game. He's playing up against his old team especially with all of the, the Minnesota Miracle stuff, all of that. I, I feel like all of that old emotion will come out in this game. I know he's going to try that game of his, you know, the season for himself. But it's just something about that Josh Allen situation. If he can really throw the ball, if he can run, like that's the dynamic of the Bills offense that the, the linebackers have to stay home to try to tackle him because he's a business decision being six six and however much he weighs. I, I, he's at least over 245 pounds. So he doesn't look that big, but he is big like that. And, um, if he doesn't bring that dynamic to the game, I think that this is a this is going to be a shootout. The over-under is 46.5. I feel like this may potentially go over. I'm going to say over if I had to pick it. Um, but I'm going for the Vikings to cover and win the game. I, I think that the shock value will be here. And some of the questions will start to loom around Buffalo if they should have played Josh Allen today or let him rest. Um, I'm really concerned if he does take a, a tackle and it you know, makes him be concerned about the elbow. The next matchup I have are the Denver Broncos going into Nashville, Tennessee, up against the Titans, in which is a very interesting game. The Broncos are now three and five. The Titans are five and three. Um, the Broncos have to turn this around somehow, some way. They have to start winning to make this an incredible season of a run. But something somehow, some way does not. I don't feel like that team has it together. The offense is an all cohesive unit. The defense isn't how everybody thought it would go down. I'm going to go first on this one. I'm going Tennessee. I want to see the Broncos try to stop Derrick Henry in Nashville. It would have been different if it was in Colorado. This is taking place in the heart of Tennessee. I'm, I'm going with the Titans. Um, Mike, I'll come to you next. 
your thoughts, Broncos or Titans? This is taking place in Nashville. Oh, oh, and the, 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 uh, the spread the spread is two and a half in favor of Tennessee. I actually agree with you on this. I was really impressed with Tennessee's defense last week too, um, against uh, Kansas City. Even though they ended up losing that game in overtime, I thought their defense stepped up and made lots of good plays. Um, and and obviously the offense that they're going to have to contend with this week is not nearly as powerful. Uh, I think Derrick Henry can get going against this team. Um, so I like Tennessee to win this game. Now keep in mind I've been wrong on the Titans more than anybody else all year, uh, but uh, I like uh, I like Tennessee to win. Okay, James, your thoughts on this game? Broncos or Titans? Who do you like and why? I'm I'm going with a clean clean sweep. I'm going to take the Titans as well. Um, the Broncos, in spite of their preseason promise, has not delivered at all on anything. Um, the defense was trying to um, keep them in the game, but the offense couldn't pull it together, and that's still the case. So this is easily a coaching issue over a um, over a player talent issue. I think that when they figure out uh, somebody for a better coaching slot than what they've got going on right now, it will be a very different scenario in uh, in Denver for the Broncos. But this year, this year they might as well start tanking and get a better draft pick because they are not in a position to be in anything in the AFC. So I'm going to take the Titans to win and to cover. Two clean sweeps out the gate. This is impressive. I can't believe they're calling sweeps across the board. Well, let me keep this thing going because <laughs> I think this is how this is going to lead so far this Sunday. The Jacksonville Jaguars take their talents to Kansas City, Missouri, up against the Chiefs, in which the Chiefs are favored by nine and a half. I actually want to put this spread, but you guys can pick it as you want. Um I'll come to you first on this one, Mike. Who do you like in this matchup? The Jaguars or the Chiefs? This is in Arrowhead in Kansas City. And, again, the over-under is 51.5. The Chiefs are favored by 9.5 in this game. I'm going to say Chiefs win and cover. I just okay. think okay. too much oh, offensive okay. firepower. Jacksonville's been struggling. And, uh, listen, uh, Kansas City is not your get-right game. Okay, James, your thoughts on this game? Who do you like and why in this matchup? Jags or Chiefs? If, if you want to play with the spread, you can. If not, you can pick as is. Um, spread is nine and a half. So at nine and a half, I'll probably take the Jags to cover, but the Chiefs to win. Nine and a half is a lot of point spread, and the Jags have not been playing as bad as the record has been. Um, plus, the Jaguars are healthy. Evan Ingram's full participant in practice on Friday. Um, they'll get a little bit of boost from the tight end position there um, and don't have anybody out for the game. The only one missing for the Chiefs is Nicole Hardman, but uh, the Chiefs' defense, while playing on their head, uh, for, you know, like based off of where people thought their talent was, um, not only at the beginning of the year, but even a quarter of the way through the year, they have definitely turned that around, which is great. But right now, Patrick Holmes has gotten comfortable with that offensive set of weapons and is going back to old school Patrick Holmes. So the Chiefs are going to win. But my 
my place would be right around seven and a half. I'm playing with the spread. I don't care if I'm running with it or not. I'm thinking Vegas is trying to fool everybody. Chiefs in a landslide. I don't feel like Jacksonville could come up in Kansas City and make this a game. Prove it to me that your running game could go in there and force this game. I get it that Ingram comes back, but Ingram hasn't even looked impressive while he's been in Jacksonville, let alone while being in New York. Like, he has some days where he has flashes, but they, they have to show up. And I, I feel like the Chiefs are on this, this hill where they're trying to prove to everybody that they could do it without Hill. Uh, Tyreek Hill left, and they're still cruising at 6-2 and two at this point in time in the season. I think the Chiefs win, cover. This is going to be a blowout. I feel that over-under tells you everything being 51-and-a-half. I feel like they think that the Chiefs will score points, and uh, the Jaguars' defense is going to have to get to Mahomes somehow, some way. That is the question. If they can put that, put that pressure on Mahomes throughout the duration of the game to make this a game, I'm going Chiefs, and they cover, and I think this can get ugly fast. The next matchup I have takes place in the state of Illinois with the division rivals of the Detroit Lions visiting the Chicago Bears. The Bears are favored by a field goal at home. Uh, the over-under is 48-and-a-half. They're letting you know that points will be scored in this game. Um, I'll come to you first on this one, Mike. Who do you like in this game, Lions or Bears in Soldier Field? I'm going to go with the king of the jungle. I think the Lions are going to go into Chicago. I think they're going to contain uh, Justin Fields running the ball. They're going to make him make decisions throwing the ball. Uh, This line is not very good at pass blocking, and I still don't think Chicago has enough at the wide receiver position. If you could throw the ball, uh, that, that has really been kind of the Achilles heel for that defense for Detroit this year, but I don't know. I just uh, I think Detroit finds a way to win this game in Chicago today. Okay, James, your thoughts on this game? The Detroit Lions going to Soldier in a very interesting division battle up against the Chicago Bears. The spread is at three. The over-under is 48-and-a-half. So I definitely believe that both teams are going to score in this game. Um this is probably the first time uh, on the injury report that both DeAndre Swift and um, Amon Ross St. Brown are both off the injury report. They were um, they had a really good start of the season when those two were off the injury report, report, and then when either one of them was out or hindered in some sort of way, that's when they started to lose, and I think the same is true today. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions to win on the road, which is something they've had a lot of problems with in spite of all the hype that's coming around Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears lately. Poor City, this has to be, like, historic. James is up to something. I don't know what's happening, Poor City, but this is the release of Black Panther this week. I I don't know what he's doing. He's doing something mystical or something. Like, I'm I'm troubled. I don't know. I don't even know how to pick this game. I'd have had a lot of courage to pick if he would have picked the Bears. Now it's like, I don't know what he's up to. He's trying to, like, like reverse some psychology, do something to me. I don't know. Now I'm scared of pick. But I'm going to pick how I was going to pick anyway. I'm, I'm going to go with the Lions to take this game in Chicago. This is the one test that I have for Detroit. This is a winnable game for Detroit, but their defense has to show up again like they did last week up against Green Bay. It was easy for them to do it at home up against a struggling Green Bay team, but now that Fields has actually found his way similar to the way Jalen Hurts is playing back, uh, football, is basically if he doesn't see anything, take off. 
and be that 11th guy that makes that linebacker have to make that choice to stay home and chase you or go out there and try to make a play in man or zone coverage. And um, I, I really question if the Lions can stop them. The defense has stepped up uh, since that Green Bay game. If they can, can be consistent and put this together up against Chicago, it'll speak volumes on how Aaron Glenn was able to turn this around that fast after firing the defensive back coach, and especially if the defensive backs can play a good game and try to force some type of turnover. I don't want to put all the turnovers on the defensive back, but if they can turn over Justin Fields, that'd be impressive in itself. But I'm going with Detroit to try to get this done. Fields is doing a great job. I don't want to take anything away from Justin Fields. I think their running game is a, a big staple of their game. But if, if they start passing, hopefully Detroit could actually break up some passes and come up with something big. But this is a big game, big division rivalry game, and they both need to win because they're both struggling on the season. I'm going with home sweet home with me. Being a diehard in the building. Okay. The next match that we have are the Cleveland Browns going to Miami up against the Dolphins. I will go first in this one. The Dolphins are favored by three and a half. I'm going to go with Miami to get this done. However, I feel like Nick Chubb will clip a thousand yards today. I think he will get his thousand yards. He's at 841. That means he needs 159. I think he will have a good day on the ground. I think he'll get the thousand on this game right here. And Tyreek Hill is on a tear. If people don't know, Calvin Johnson's receiving yard record is in jeopardy the season that Tyreek is having. Nevertheless, I'm going with the Dolphins to win this up against the Browns. If the Browns' defense, or not even just their defense, but more or less if their secondary can stop or slow down or contain Tyreek and Waddle, they have a shot. I don't think so on the road. I'm going with Miami. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on this game? Cleveland and Miami, this is taking place in the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. I'm going to give some props to what Tua is doing. He's been given the weapons, and he's able to uh, utilize those guys. And even after the uh, early season concussions, he's been able to stay on the field uh, since he's gotten back. I just think too much firepower uh, for Miami. Uh, I think they they do win this game against Cleveland, and to your point, the only way Cleveland keeps this uh, really close is to be able to control the clock and for Chubb to have a game like you're talking about with 159-plus yards. Uh, but I think that Miami just has a little bit too much firepower and gets this done today. Okay, James, who do you like in this matchup? Cleveland or Miami taking place in Florida? I'm taking Miami um, with the exception of the um, the – a uh, couple of weeks where Tua was out and the one week where he left the game early. Um, the Miami Dolphins have been essentially undefeated in every other game this year. On top of that, we're still three weeks out from Deshaun Watson getting himself back on the field for the Cleveland Browns. Well, to do his premiere uh, uh, for the Cleveland Browns against the Houston Texans in week 13. So that means uh, um, Jacoby's going to be still um, still behind center. He's not the world's worst quarterback, but definitely not one of the best either. Um, on top of that, David Njoku, who has been who has been kind of the mainstay for the Browns' offensive attack, outside of of course Nick Chubb, is out for the game, and Joker is also out for um, for this game as well. So. Everything is pointing towards Miami, so I'm going to pick pick Miami to win, and not only that, but also to cover. 
Okay. Um, so I think that's a clean sweep again. I'm telling you, the theme is here, Sports City. So it, it, I'm not doing this. I'm trying to go in reverse, and I'm not saying is there anybody. I'm I'm being fair. Okay. Here was another clean, <laughs> a potential clean sweep. Uh, the Houston Texans are going to MetLife Stadium in New Jersey up against the New York Giants, in which the Giants are sitting at six and two. The Texans are one six and one on the season. Um, I'll go first on this one. I think the Giants win. The spread is at five in favor of the Giants. The over-under is at 41. Something is telling me that Vegas has is at under. So I think the Giants lock up that offense and win on the under, too. So I think they cover, win, and it stays underneath 41. Um, I'll come to you on this one, James. Who do you like in this one? The Texans or Big Blue in New Jersey? See, it's it's really funny because these two teams are honestly a a mirror image of each other, just with some minor upgrades. Like the Giants are a team with a questionable quarterback and all star running back and um, some decent pieces around them, and so are the Houston Texans, a questionable quarterback and uh, Davis Mills with a running back that's starting to find his own um, and and weapons that are questionable. But the big question is, for me, what exactly is going to happen with Brandon Cooks? Is he going to suit up and play and play haphazardly? Or is he going to just, like, uh, or is he going to go back in and just try to earn as much money and bonuses as possible before trying to force his trade out at the beginning of next year? So that is like Braden Cooks has been the major piece um, in this Houston Texans uh, passing game all year long, and now he's angry that he did not get traded. So what is it that he's planning on doing while on the field today? Either way, I'm right with Ty. I'm taking the Giants to win. Most taking the Giants to cover. 41 points is a low score though. Um, I think I'll take the over on 41. Watch it. You got to watch it with Vegas. You got to watch it with them. You have to watch it. <laughs> Mike, your thoughts on this game? Houston in New Jersey up against the New York Giants. Uh, a lot is in favor of the the Giants. The Giants are favored by five. The over-under is at 41. Sports City, get ready, because on Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to hear the villain calling about his team being 7-2. and two. Uh, I think the Giants get this done. I, I think regardless of what Brandon Cooks does, I just think the Giants uh, defensively are better and have a little bit too much firepower, and I think they win this game. Yeah, but if they lose to the Texans, I, I'm, you know what? If the Texans beat the Giants, I'm, I'm going to be on the feet for all Tuesday. I'm coming in there just to listen. I just want to hear what Barry has to say. That's it. But right now, we have a two. We, we're having too many clean sweeps go on, and, and rightfully so. But this should be a no-brainer. If if the Texans go in here and rob the Giants of a game, James knows my slogan. James knows my slogan. <laughs> that's all I can say. That's that's all I'm gonna. Say. I'm, I'm gonna get away from this before I get hot and testy on that doggone game. That's for sure. Okay. I'm telling you, there's a lot of clean sweeps going on. This <laughs> thing might continue. Okay, so the next matchup I have are the New Orleans Saints going into Pittsburgh up against the Steelers, in which they both are having questionable starts to this season. The Saints are three and six, one and two on the road. The Steelers are two and six, one and two at home. Both of them very questionable. 
Vegas has this at even. The over-under is at 39. There are no points supposed to be scored in the Acroshore Stadium in Pittsburgh. Um, I'm going to go first. I'm going with New Orleans to win this game. I think New Orleans takes care of business. I know that they get T.J. Watt back. I think this will be a lift for their defense. But with them getting rid of Chase, Poole, uh, Chase Claypool, it's going to be one big thing for their offense to try to rebuild at that position. I know Deontay Johnson is a, a, a animal himself and Pickens also in the receiving game. But Fremont has to get included. Pickett's going to have to get this thing started somehow, some way, and I, I, I'm i putting a lot of pressure on Andy Dalton at this point in time to try to win this game. It'd be easy to say the Steelers at home, but I just feel like the Saints have that shock value to get it done in Pittsburgh. Um, I'll come to you next on this one, James. Saints or Steelers, it's a pick em. The over-under is at 39. Who do you like? I also am um, fully on with the New Orleans Saints in this game. Vegas, uh, the biggest factor for me is Minka Fitzpatrick is out for the game with an mm-hmm. appendix. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, CJ Watts back, and that's all well and good, and he'll be a major boon to that defense. But I would almost dare to say that Minka Fitzpatrick, as far as pass defense is concerned, might be as valuable um, as TJ Watt and the fact that he's not going to be playing this game makes it more of the same for me that there's going to be guys getting open and guys getting open quick. So the TJ Watt return, especially after being out for so long is not going to be as effective for this week. Next week might be completely different, but I'm going to go with the Saints to win. Mr. Harvey, it's your team. Who do you like? The Saints or the Steelers and why? What happens if the pick them, the over-unders at 39? This is making me really nervous uh, to, to have a, uh, a clean sweep across the board on this one. Uh, but I like the Saints in this game. I, I just think that overall I think that's a little bit more of a little bit more talent on that roster. And, you know, I understand Andy Dalton has had some uh, – very underwhelming performances in this stadium. Uh, maybe the name change, whatever. Um, I I think that the Saints can pull this out only because it's not a primetime game because you put Andy Dalton in primetime and he doesn't know what to do. But I think the Saints find a way to win today and beat the Steelers, and I sure hope so because we got a guy, a, a resident Steelers fan in the barbershop that really likes to come in and brag, even though he ain't got a lot to brag on. He said his team is going to go ten and seven. They're already two and six, so we're going to go ahead and give him that seventh loss today, and go ahead and uh, do what we can to go ahead and end any of that speculation. Okay, so we will keep it moving right along. I'm telling you, Sports City, I didn't do this by design. I think the NFL did this with all these clean sweeps. <laughs> Watch out because there's going to be a landmine on one of these games, and I don't know which one it is. I don't know which one it is, but be careful, y'all. Be careful. Okay, so this is another game that could be a potential clean sweep, but I feel like this is the ugliest game of the week, and I'm personally saying this because I feel nasty about the entire situation on both sides of the ball. The Indianapolis Colts have fired Frank Reich, and they now have Jeff Saturday as the head coach, taking place in Las Vegas up against the Raiders, in which the Raiders are struggling right now with Josh McDaniels at head coach. The Raiders are 2-6. and six. Two and one at home. The Colts are three and five and one. One three and one on the road. 
the Raiders are favored by four, and which the Raiders? Uh, Hunter Renfro is out on IR. Potentially could miss the season. I think there's a season ending. Um, to me, Derek Carr, you have to prove to me that you're the guy. They gave you so much money. They brought you Devontae Adams, and you still don't have it in you to get it going. I'm going with the Raiders to win this game. If the Raiders don't win, I got two reasons to be on the free-for-all. I'm coming in there, too, if the Colts go into Las Vegas and Allegiant and beat them. And I think the Raiders cover. The Raiders have to cover. If they don't win and cover up against a team with a new coach that has nothing to do with this team since Peyton Manning and them were around, I have a ton of questions. I may go off on Tuesday in Sports City. Stay tuned. I'm coming right back to you, Mike, on this one. The Indianapolis Colts up against the Raiders. Who do you like and why? The spread is at four in favor of the Raiders. We've got a little feedback going on with you talking right there for some reason. Uh, so I'm going to go with I, – I, I think the uh, the Raiders win this game. I, I I agree with you. I think with all the turmoil going, turmoil going on in Indianapolis, the Raiders have no excuse. This is a game that they should be able to win uh, and cover. Listen, everything's kind of gone haywire. They swore they were a quarterback away, and they got their quarterback, and uh, he couldn't take care of the football. This is a team that uh, – this Colts team, this is the team that I was more wrong on than anybody that I uh, picked in the preseason. And so I'm going to go with the Raiders to win this thing today. GP, you there? I think you're on mute. James, I sure was talking while on mute. James, who do you like in this game? The Colts or your Raiders? And why your Raiders are favored by four in Las Vegas and the over-under that 41. So I'm also taking the Raiders. Um, when when uh, when the Colts put Sam Ellinger in as the, uh, the starting quarterback, it was very obvious to me that they were tanking, and they are tanking hard. So the fact that they're tanking hard tells me that um, – that and they put Jeff Saturday in somebody with zero coaching experience at the head coaching position. They're telling me that they do not want to win. They're tanking. They're tanking hard for a um, prospective quarterback in the draft next season. That's what they're doing. So the Ra- the Raiders are too dumb to know that they're not really in playoff contention right now. So they're going to continue to try to win and think that their team's good enough to get there. So the Raiders are going to actually try. The Colts obviously have been done trying for weeks now. So I'm going to take the Raiders to win and cover. Okay, fair enough. We will get away from that because they ain't got to talk about his Raiders. Well, one of the games of the day, even though I don't think it should be the game of the day because one team has to turn the tide, one team has to keep on moving, don't stop, no. The Dallas Cowboys take their talents to Lambeau Field up against the Green Bay Packers, in which the Cowboys are cruising. The Cowboys are favored by three and a half on the road. The over-unders at 44 and a half, and the Packers are on a five-game losing streak. This has not happened since Aaron Rodgers' rookie season in 2000, or his first season, excuse me, not his rookie season, his first season as a starter in 2008 that he had a five-game losing streak go on at this point in time. Will it extend to six? is the question. I'll come to you first on this one, James, for your thoughts. Cowboys or Packers in Lambeau? 
So the Packers just lost to the Detroit Lions. And this was a team, and, and the Lions are always a team that fools me. Every year, like, I look at the Lions, the roster looks okay, they've got a coach that you can believe in, and then they become the same old story Lions. But this isn't about the Lions, this is about the Packers who lost to the Lions last week. Um, meanwhile, the Dallas Cowboys are trying to catch up to the Philadelphia Eagles in the division and are already two and a half games down. So with that said, there's no way that I see the Packers winning this football game. Uh, And Rodgers might actually retire at the end of the year because of how bad the Packers are. I'm taking the Cowboys. They're healthy with the exception of Anthony Barr. Whereas the Packers have a multitude of injuries um, all throughout their starting lineup. And even if they do end up playing, they're still questionable, which means they're banged up. Better team. And it pains me to no end that Mike McCarthy, arguably the worst coach in the NFL right now, is going to end up winning a football game against his former team. But it is what it is. Still taking the Cowboys. Mike, your thoughts on this game? Cowboys or Packers? This is taking place in Wisconsin. Dallas is favored by three and a half. The over/under at forty-four and a half. Who do you like and why? On your way back home to your neighborhood, Mr. Rogers, uh, you might as well buy a six-pack to uh, have one drink, have one beer for every loss um, in this losing streak. I think uh, as long as Kellen Moore does not go back to trying to play Madden and calls plays in a way that really fits his team's strengths. Uh, If Dak throws the ball less than 30 times today um, and they're able to run the ball decently against his team, which I think they can, I believe that Mike McCarthy goes into Green Bay and wins one against his former team. And Dallas cover uh, wins this game against the Packers today. And Aaron Rodgers can buy his losing streaks to expect. Let me break this thing up right now. Let me break it up right now because it's going on far too long. I do not see Aaron Rodgers losing six games in a row. I think the Packers win this game. Historically, Rodgers has done well against the Cowboys. This is probably a game that he always takes personal, like he takes personal up against the Bears. Um he was talking a lot of junk after losing to the Lions, saying, I can't lose games like this to this type of group, and it happened. Um, him being at home losing, uh, you know, six games is, is another thing, too, or a six-game losing streak, I don't think this happens. If he does, I want to see how he addresses the public, the media, things of that nature, because he's been excuse after excuse, point finger after point finger. You have to get it done. Even though Dallas has more in their favor, I feel like the Packers being at home should help Rodgers get over the hump. I can't see him losing six straight, especially him coming off of another MVP season. This, this is a lot. I'm going to go with the Packers and win this one at home. The next matchup we have are the Arizona Cardinals at three and six up against the Los Angeles Rams at three and three and five. Excuse me. Um, in which Kyler Murray may potentially be out. I think Wolford is potentially the starter. And for the wait, no, Kyler Murray is potentially out, and Colt McCoy may be in. 
And for the Rams, I think Stafford may be out as well. Wolford may be the starter. I had them in reverse. Um, I'll go on this one. I'll go first. I think the Rams win this because of the situation. Quarterback, I don't feel like they've they clicked yet offensively, to say the least. I, I am going to give the edge to being at home. The Cardinals have to prove it to me that they can get it done. Um, I'll come to you next on this one, Mike. Your thoughts on this one? Cardinals or Rams, division battle in the do you like the Rams are favored by three in California? I think that there's an echo when I talk. I can tell you that. But I think that the uh, I think the Rams find a way to win this game. I think this is man, this is an ugly football game uh, with backup quarterbacks. You know, uh, being the theme of the day. I, I feel like maybe, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with the Rams. I don't really like it or feel good about it either way. Uh, but I, I think the Rams win today. Okay, James, your thoughts on this game? Arizona or Los Angeles, division battle, the Rams are favored by three. And so far. So, I, I, I mean, as far as Vegas is concerned, I would not bet on this game at all. There's too many question marks because, obviously, if Kyler's starting and Warford's starting, then my gaze always goes to the Cardinals. And if it's Colt McCoy and Matthew Stafford starting, then, obviously, the Rams are going to win. And if it's both backup quarterbacks playing, then I think it would go with Arizona. I think I would pick... Uh, Colt McCoy as a starter over um, Warford. So in this case, I will take the Arizona Cardinals because they have at this chance, at this point, a two thirds chance to win, but it's a giant question mark without knowing who's at quarterback for both teams. Yeah. I do want to see how it does pan out for the quarterback play. If Tyler and Stafford are both out, they both need to start winning to get this thing moving. That is one thing that I do want to see how this ends up going down. So we will see as we approach that game. The last of the Sunday games, waiting all day for Sunday night, is a battle in California for sure. The Los Angeles Chargers, who are sitting at 5-3 and three on the season, are going up against the 4-4 four and four San Francisco 49ers, in which the San Francisco 49ers are favored by 7.5. The over-under is at 45.5. First on this one. Vegas is letting me know something. First and foremost, I'm going to pick the Niners to cover. I think the Chargers keep this close. I don't. That seven and a half is a lot. Even though there's a lot of pieces missing for the Chargers, I think that Herbert does something to keep them in this game. But I'm going to go with the Niners to win, Chargers to cover. Um, I'll come to you next on this one, Mike. Your thoughts on this game, Chargers and Niners? This is taking place in Santa Clara, California, in Levi Stadium. I actually agree with you. I like the Niners at home. I. And I think that the Chargers may cover. I think that's a lot of points, but I think the Niners are just a more talented football team. I think they, uh, listen, they're building a lot of momentum going into their bye. And I think this is a team that the rest of the NFC is definitely going to have to deal with um, in the second half of the season and in the postseason. So I'm going with the Niners. Okay, James, who do you like in this matchup? Chargers and Niners? The Niners are favored by seven and a half at home. Who do you like and why? Um, so I like the 49ers to win. 
and and I think um, I think that the I think that Vegas is being tricky, but in the other direction. Like they're putting seven and a half out there, and they're thinking there's no way that anybody's going to actually bet the 49ers to win by seven and a half. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is still at quarterback, and he's been pretty pedestrian this entire year. But um, the Chargers haven't been all that great either, so. And the the um the X factor for me is Christian McCaffrey. The addition to Christian McCaffrey, probably the best running back that any Shanahan ever has ever had, and that includes Terrell Davis. Fight me on that answer. Whoa. Um, Whoa. Is. Um, Whoa. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I said it. Um, but. I think that that's going to be the major portion of this of this win for San Francisco is Christian McCaffrey and not um, what you see in the passing game. So a lot of running. I would probably take the under and the over-under because both teams are going to be probably focusing um, on the running game or the running back catching the ball out of the backfield. Either way, those things usually happen um, or tend to come inbounds or get downed inbounds, which means – a slower clock or a faster clock, if you would. Um, so either way, I'm picking San Francisco to win. They, oddly enough, are the better team right now. You're going crazy, okay? Listen, slow down before you crack your head all over the dashboard, okay? McCaffrey's good, <laughs> but he has to be durable before we could do this. McCaffrey's missed, what, the last four seasons due to injury, like pieces of the season? Like, don't do I this. mean, but TD you lost his whole career to, to injury. So, I mean, if, we're, if yeah. I, I think that's even a more okay. apt comparison than, than I originally thought. Okay. You tell me when Christian McCaffrey could get 2,000 yards rushing. You tell me when Christian McCaffrey could be the leader of an offense to win two two votes at that also. Just, just tell me when. So, so – so so first of all, Christian, Christian McCaffrey that, that never had John Elway as, as, as his quarterback. But let's be right. real right there. He's right. never had right. John Elway as his quarterback, whereas TD okay. for both of his Super Bowls had John Elway as his quarterback. So let's not pretend like these two these two situations are comparable. The Christian McCaffrey has been the guy on the offense for Carolina for years. Ever since he was drafted, he was the guy on the Carolina Panthers offense because they have never found it a even a, an above average quarterback except for Tay Bridgewater. Okay, That's it. Now, That's the only above now, now, average we're, we're, quarterback that that, that that man's ever had. Okay, let's fine. I'll go there. You want to use John Elway as the measure? That was John Elway as Shelley himself at the end of his career. You remember the mile-high salute. Every time they got to the end zone, that was Terrell Davis. They they weren't riding the shoulders of Elway. Elway was just managing that game from, what, 97 and 98 season. That zone blocking scheme for that running game was everything with Terrell Davis going crazy in those two seasons right there, let alone he put up a 2,000-yard rushing season. You you I don't think I don't think Christian McCaffrey will get 1,800 yards rushing. I don't think that will happen. I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, it's but like that's because he's a bigger threat out of the backfield, though. Wait, I let you talk. I let you talk. I let you talk. I let, uh, wait, why can't I finish? You can't? Wait, what is this? Okay, so granted, if it's Garoppolo or Trey Lance at quarterback, or if they get another quarterback, which I doubt, I don't think he'll get an 1,800-yard season, let alone 2,000. 
Like we we got to be fair here. Like like let Christian get some more seasons before we go. Hmm, this is a threat to TD, or a threat to be one of the best running backs that the Shanahan's had. Like I, I'm 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 bothered by that one. Okay, so let's get away from it before this turn back and forth. And we have one game left to get away from all of this. We have the Washington Commanders going to Philadelphia up against the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles, in which. The Eagles are favored by 11 on Monday night. The over-unders at 43-and-a-half. I'll go to you first on this one, Mike. Who do you like in this one, Commanders or Eagles? That's a lot of points. I'm scared of that 11-point spread. But I like the Eagles, and I think over uh, 43. Okay, James, your thoughts on this game, the Commanders or your Eagles? Your Eagles are favored by 11. You guys are undefeated at this point in time. (laughs) I'll take the Eagles right now. Yeah, go Eagles. (laughs) Um, But, um, I mean, really and truly, I pick the the Eagles to win. I'm going to pick the Commanders to cover. 11 points is a lot of points. Um. And divisional games tend to be closer than people like to recognize. So I'm going to take the Eagles to win, the um, the Commanders to cover, and I will probably take the on. Un- uh, I'm going to take the over. I, I I mean the Eagles are not exactly an offensive juggernaut right now, but I still think that between the two of them, that it's not going to be um, 41 points or less. I'm actually going. I'm actually going totally the same way. I'm going Eagles to win and cover. I don't think Taylor Heineke could keep up with this Eagles scoring prowess. Let alone, I think the Eagles defense will try to pin their ears back and put pressure on them. Even though the Commanders get Dotson back uh, in the receiving game as well, I think this is going to be very interesting of a game. I think points will be scored. I think the over is involved, but I'm going to Eagles to win. Eagles and over. That's how I see it in a division rivalry. I think that 11 is there for a reason. I think that this Eagles team is legit at this point in time. Jalen Hurts is putting points up on the board. You have to respect what he's doing at this point in time. I'm going to say it here and now. Sports City, Jalen Hurts is your NFL MVP at this point in time. No-brainer. Anything else before we close up and start getting this thing out of here for NFL Week 10? Okay, so that silence does help me. I need plugs and close out from each of you. I will start with you first, Mr. Controversy himself. Mr. Greenwood, thank you for stopping by the brunch today. Give me a plug, close out, shout out, as we shut the doors here at the brunch. Um, So shout out to PHI Apparel. They have their um, – they do have a lot of really nice clothes, just saying, as as would be expected from the great city of Philadelphia. Let's just be honest about that one. But um, check out the NFL free-for-all on Tuesday. Ty might show up after the Giants lose or something like that. Um, Either way, come by. Check that out. I'll also be there, probably. Play around, guys. Peace. Boy, I I still got a bone to pick with him about that that Terrell Davis McCaffrey stuff. I'm not done with him. Sports City, but I know we're the fault. We're the fault. I I fight with him too much. Okay, Mike, give me a plug, close out, shout out, as we shut the doors here at the brunch. When you check out phiapparel.co, don't forget the code CHEFS to check out to get 15% off. 
represent the Eagles, who are still undefeated. Uh, you know, Phillies made the World Series. Uh, Flyers are, I don't know what they're doing. 76ers are still trying to figure it out. Can Joe and be ever go inside? But, uh, you know, represent Philly and use chefs to check out. Also, check out the Barbershop on Clubhouse. Uh, continuing to grow, man. So um, it's a family community there. We have lots of uh, live watch-alongs. We'll have uh, a room up today during all the NFL action. Uh, we'll be waiting all day for Sunday night and have a Sunday night room up as well. Monday night, we always have something up on Thursday night. Have rooms throughout the week. So come be part of the barbershop community on Clubhouse and and join us there. Also, sportscitychefs.com. We got blogs. We got finger foods uh, each week. We also have other shows. This one's a... Uh, we got this brunch on Sunday mornings. We got the NFL free for all at nine o'clock Eastern on Tuesday nights, and then uh, the Callers Cookout with uh, Thomas versus the villain, where good always wins on Wednesday nights. Uh, so check us out, uh, Sirius uh, Simmons, Barry Thomas, and, and myself, and then uh, sometimes controversies there. Chandler uh, shows up a good bit as well, so. Uh, you know, check out all the shows that we got coming at you um, on Sports City. And also remember, you can listen to us on your smart speakers and all those devices as well. Just tell it to play Sports City Chefs, and we will be uh, coming through your smart speaker and hopefully giving you a little bit of entertainment. Uh, that being said, man, listen, go Tigers, 8-2. and two. Uh, Black and gold, the one from the south, is going to go up north and rock out today. Uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, but once again, man, TP, one for you, my brother. I wouldn't be here. I appreciate you as always, man. Much respect to the other chefs as well. I'm just grateful to be part of this family, man. And we got the boot back in Louisiana. Peace. I'm out of here. See you on Tuesday. I ain't got too much more to say. He gave you everything I need to give y'all, Sports City. So on that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Kaboom, Sports City Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon, they well in tune, blown like a flower in June, Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom, so tell a friend it's the Sports City Chefs again, pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh-huh.